Hello, 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 Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the Same Old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Aaron, it has been a week. It is. A, it has been a week with lots to talk about. There's been all kinds of things going on, off the field, on the field. And then the night before we were, sat down to record this podcast, uh, some pretty groundbreaking news, or, or earth-shattering news, I guess, depending on, on how you view it. But Andrew Luck announces his retirement, 29 years old. Six seasons in the NFL, and he's walking away. That's, uh, I mean, pretty stunning development out of Indianapolis. I know there had been talks that he'd been dealing with an injury, but this was, uh, I mean, I was, I was driving last night when I heard the news. I was actually listening to the Miami Hurricanes Florida Gators game on the radio as I was driving home, and uh, they did a cut-in. From ESPN Radio in the studio to say that they had breaking NFL news. And my initial thought when I heard that there was breaking news from the NFL, I said, oh, maybe there's been some sort of development with Antonio Brown and his helmet stuff. So they figured out whatever the deal is there. Or maybe Ezekiel Elliott reached an agreement with the Cowboys and he was going to go on and and finally they were going to move on with their lives. But when they said on the radio that it was Andrew Luck retiring from football at the age of 29, I literally driving the car said out loud, wow, I was really, really surprised by that. Uh, I, I mean, it's not exactly Dolphins related, but I mean, it, it's pretty big news. And I think that's something that you got to talk about. Anytime somebody that is in the, you know, if not the very top tier of NFL quarterbacks, if he's not in that tier, he's in the tier just below it of NFL quarterbacks at age 29, somebody that you would imagine has at least another seven or eight years left in the league decides that he's going to walk away. That's that's pretty big news. Yeah, I was sitting on my couch watching the Hurricanes game, watching the Canes and the Gators and when that came across the screen, when that flashed across the screen, I was literally afraid to get off the couch because I didn't know where to step because the earth had literally shattered. It was literally earth-shattering news. The the earth so the the earth literally shattered in Tampa, Florida. Yeah, it was earth-shattering and I was just, you know, you could feel it and you're like, "What the hell was that?" And then it flashes on the screen. Adam Schefter reporting that Andrew Luck is telling the Colts that he's retiring. And it's like, well, how the hell am I going to get off of this couch? You know, you kind of dipping a toe onto the floor, just making sure it's steady. And, you know, sure enough, luckily enough, the, the apartment was built sturdy enough that I still can get around the apartment. And I guess things have kind of smoothed over. But in all seriousness, yeah, incredible, like incredibly surprising news and I'm a huge Andrew Luck fan. In fact, in the fantasy league that I have been in for oh over a decade now, um, the last few years, I my fortunes have been tied to Andrew Luck, and it, it I started getting a bunch of texts from all my all the guys in that league just asking me if I was okay after hearing the news because everybody knows that that I'm drafting Andrew Luck in in a fantasy league. Well, are you like O.J. Simpson? O.J. Simpson put out a video because he had drafted Andrew Luck an hour before Luck retired. (laughs) So then I saw – so O.J. put this video on the internet where he's all upset, and and it's clearly in a a somewhat joking manner. Uh, He put out this tweet about, come on, Andrew Luck, how are you going to retire? Why couldn't you announce this an hour ago before I drafted you in my fantasy picks? And then somebody (laughs) I saw had quote tweeted that, that – that not only was Andrew Luck getting booed by the fans in Indiana, but he was also going to be murdered by O.J. Simpson. <laughs> you got to you got to be careful. You don't want to piss off O.J. What What is your reaction to hearing that there were these fans in Indianapolis that were booing Andrew Luck retiring? There are stupid people everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty bad. It's 
pretty outrageous. This guy gave, this guy played with shoulder injuries, abdomen injury. He played with a lacerated kidney. Right. A lacerated kidney. The man was peeing blood and he still played. And these people had the temerity to boo him. But let's, let's. This is a dolphin show. It's the same old dolphin show, which you can follow on Twitter, by the way, at same old dolphins. Uh, he's at Aaron the Brain. I'm at Amplified to Rock on Twitter. Make sure you're following us. We're also a dolphins ta- or excuse me, Facebook.com slash same old dolphins. Every episode of the show is also on dolphinstalk.com. But let, let this since it's a dolphin show, let's draw a comparison here. The instant comparison that a lot of that I saw people making was people comparing Lux retirement to Ricky Williams retirement. Now, the biggest difference is the way that things were perceived. When Ricky Williams announced his retirement, he was getting killed by everybody. He was getting killed by the fans and by the media because the perception was Ricky Williams wanted to walk away from football just so that he could smoke weed. Andrew Luck stepping away from the game because his body is just beat up. It has taken a toll on him physically and mentally, and not to mention emotionally. And this is a man who has a lot, he's got in his, basically his entire life in front of him. And listen, if he's not having a good time doing what he's doing, he doesn't have an obligation to anybody to continue to put himself through that. So I, I applaud him for making that decision to walk away. But I, the my thought was, especially when I see a lot of Dolphin fans criticizing the Indianapolis fans for booing him, and rightly so, because, you know, let's let's be honest, that's booing this guy for retiring. Uh, you know, that's, I could hardly blame him for wanting to walk away. And I, I think booing him is a terrible decision. But just imagine for a second, let's, Let's use, you know, we're Dolphin fans, so we're really good at using our imaginations because, you know, most of the time we don't have a lot to be excited about in real life. Um, imagine that after Dan Marino had, you know, or, or towards the end of Dan Marino's career, the Dolphins released Marino and decided that they were going to bring on this new quarterback who was going to be the future of the franchise. And for the course of six or seven years, they got some really good play. It was more or less a seamless transition. Um, you never reached this, you never quite got that Super Bowl, but you were getting really good play and you had sort of mortgaged the future of the franchise and put all your stock in this guy being your quarterback. And then what was supposed to be an era that was twice as long as it ended up being, you know, was cut short. I'm positive that Dolphins fans would be losing their mind if this was the situation. Let's, I mean, even if, if Josh Rosen, let's say Josh Rosen becomes the Messiah in South Florida and he becomes this incredible Miami Dolphins quarterback who sets all kinds of records and leads this team to maybe doesn't quite get to the Super Bowl, but he leads this team and turns it around and gets this franchise moving in the right direction. And then is really beat up and decides to walk away, especially on the cusp of a season where for the first time you would really feel confident that the Super Bowl is a realistic goal and winning the Super Bowl is a realistic goal, decides to hang it up. I think anybody listening to this who's been a fan of the Dolphins or has been a fan of a South Florida franchise knows that the people in South Florida would not handle that with grace. No, I mean, you just have to look at at the Ricky Williams when Ricky Williams first retired. He you had people burning his jerseys, people, you know, tearing up his jerseys and putting like stickers on his jersey with all kinds of derogatory names and you know, everybody hated him and then a couple years later Ricky Williams came back and everybody loved him. I mean, look at Cleveland in you know in basketball when lebron james left cleveland and people are burning his jerseys after he left there without winning a championship and then of course a few years later he comes back and he's the savior again this is just there are stupid fans everywhere and there are stupid fans that really have no perspective and just they've got nothing going on in their lives so the, they take sports way too seriously and way too personally. And 
they don't even view these players as people. They just view them as as meat or or property. And if if those players do something that negatively affects their team, they take it personally because it negatively impacts their lives and they don't know how to put it into perspective that it's just a game and then that's a person and that's their livelihood and that's their life and they're trying to make a decision to benefit them and their entire family and their entire future because as an NFL player you're playing even even the longest careers you're, you're playing maybe 20 years and that's that's abnormal really most most yeah, NFL 20 players, years that's, that's that's almost Tom nobody Brady. makes it 20 yeah. years unless you're unless you're Tom Brady or Morton Anderson. Right. I mean, but most most players even like the the elite of the elite, even Hall of Fame players who put together a Hall of Fame career play on average like 10 to 12 years, 8 to 12 years, something like that. I think like the that. average the ac- the actual average NFL career is something around like, like 3 years. Yeah, but it's something like 3 or 4 that's years. You got to take short. into account all the players that you know, play for like a season or, you know, and aren't good enough. And then you got the players that play for a couple of years and have career ending injuries. But like even players of like that caliber play for like eight to 10 years. If you get an eight to 10 year career, you're like, that's a damn good career. And in the large scheme of scheme of things, that's what 10% of your life, 15% of your life. I mean, they've got a whole lot to think about when they're playing this game, especially when you talk about the injuries and everything. And look, at the end of the day, no matter what your job is, no matter what your career is, you want to you want to know that when you're waking up in the morning and you're doing what you've got to do to put bread on the table for your family, that your heart is in it and that you love what you do and you feel fulfilled in what you do. And if you don't feel that and you have the luxury of saying I don't need to do this, then who the hell is doing it? Because like I would say probably 90%, I mean I I'm pulling a number out of my ass, but I it might be even low, but I would say 90% of people in this world are doing a job because it's a means to an end not because they love doing it. And if you're doing a job because it's a means to an end and you don't have to do it because you are financially stable and set for life and your future generations are set for life because you've taken care of your money, then why are you going to do a job that you're not 100% bought into if you don't have to? And I think that I think that speaks to the vast majority of people in this world, yet somehow when we look at these athletes and they make that same kind of decision, we look at them and we say, oh, you got, you're selfish and you're a traitor and you're, you're betraying your team and you're betraying your fans and you're betraying your city. And it's just, it's just stupid. Yeah, it's a, it's a real problem. And it really speaks to the sort of divide between regular people and professional athletes, when you're primarily watching them on TV from a distance, there's a disconnect there. And, and people tend to forget that these are, in fact, regular people that are living regular lives, even though they're doing doing it sometimes in extraordinary ways, such as uh, such as Andrew Luck. But anyway, let's move on to the Miami Dolphins, because there's plenty to talk about with the Dolphins this week, uh, including their third preseason game, the game that was deemed the dress rehearsal for the regular season. And, well, the Dolphins won the game 22-7. to Hooray! Winning a preseason game against the Jaguars. Uh, winning record, baby. Yeah, that's right. They're at least going to finish at 500 in the preseason. So, so good for the Dolphins. Um, this was a game where Ryan Fitzpatrick got the start and everybody was sort of reading the tea leaves and making it seem like Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to be the week one starter for the Miami Dolphins. I still don't believe we've heard that definitively from anybody within the Miami Dolphins organization that Fitzpatrick is going to be the week one starter, but that was sort of what 
you know, pretty much everybody was assuming was that Fitzpatrick was getting the start in this game because he was going to be the starter for week one. Puts in a pretty dire performance. While his end, while his numbers ended up being pretty good, 12 of 18, 126 yards, a touchdown and a 105.3 QB rating. Most of that is attributed. Most of the good parts of that stat, of those stats are due to the, the great opening drive that he had in the second half. Fitzpatrick was terrible in the first half of this game. He just looked like he just didn't look sure of himself. Uh, it was kind of, kind of sloppy, kind of messy. And then when he was finally pulled in the third quarter after that opening drive in the second half and Josh Rosen came in, Josh Rosen looked pretty good. He threw five of seven, uh, for 59 yards were his final statistics, but he, he looked good. We talked about after the first preseason game, how Fitzpatrick looked sure of himself and looked confident and just the body language, which we've been talking a lot about this preseason, how it just seemed like he felt more confident and felt more comfortable and how when Rosen was in there, you were watching him process things and you were watching him think and it just didn't seem as natural. Well, in this third preseason game, things switched. Rosen looked to be the one who was confident. He had some good pocket awareness. He was moving around with his feet. For all of the talk about how Josh Rosen is not this great athlete, he really showed a good ability to scramble and move around and make some throws on the run. A pretty impressive performance from Josh Josh Rosen. And yet, as we are now a few days afterwards, there is still no word about who is going to be the starting quarterback week one of the season for the Miami Dolphins. And, and reading the tea leaves, it still feels like it's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I, I guess there I can see arguments on both sides. But at this point, Brian Flores has said he, the, the, the lip service that he has paid is that he is saying that he wants to put a team out there that can win, and he wants to pick the players that are going to compete. And if that's true, I don't know how at this point in time he looks at what we've seen over the course of the first three weeks of preseason, at least when it comes to preseason games, and says, Ryan Fitzpatrick is the guy that gives this team the best chance to win. Because the Dolphins have, by and large, and granted been against second stringers most of the time, the Dolphins have looked much better with Josh Rosen at the helm than they have with Fitzpatrick at the helm. Yeah, I'm so so here's the thing about this last preseason game, just this one. You're making the point that Josh uh that Ryan Fitzpatrick looked really bad in the first half and then had this great opening drive in the second half, and you attributed it to he's playing up against the second team defense of Jacksonville. And that's fine and it's true and it's accurate. Well, Josh Rosen came in and played that same defense and did the same thing. Now, granted, Josh Rosen on that drive made some throws and, and did some things that really he, he can do that Ryan Fitzpatrick can't. A couple of throws that he made on the run and just a couple of the throws that he made in general are throws that only he can make. As far as the quarterbacks on this roster, that Ryan Fitzpatrick does not have the same level of arm talent as Josh Rosen. And that was really eye-opening, the fact that he was able to make those moves on the run, make those throws on the run and those plays with his legs on that drive. I thought that was the most encouraging thing. But I also think it's important not just to say, well, Look, he's doing it against the second string, but it's you have to think, well, okay, well, what if Josh Rosen went against that Jacksonville first team defense with Josh Allen in his face all night long? You also have to give Brian Flores the benefit of the doubt in saying that all we see is the preseason game. That's all we see. Brian Flores, and we see sparing report sparingly, we see some reports from practice. Brian Flores sees every practice, sees these guys in the locker room, sees the way that they interact with the other players on the team, also sees these guys in the classroom and also the quarterbacks coach and the offensive coordinators, you know, they see these guys, they work with these guys every single day in the classroom. And if they're telling you 
there are things that he is just not ready to handle right now. And Josh Rosen is saying the exact same thing when being interviewed. Now, granted, you could say, well, you know, he's just towing the company line. He's saying the right things and that's good. And that's true. You, you much rather be in this situation where you've got a quarterback like Josh Rosen coming out and saying, Hey, you know, it's the coach's decision and I'll play when the coach tells me to play. And when the coach decides I'm ready, then I'll be ready. But when you have, the the quarterback himself actually saying, yeah, I've got a lot to learn. I'm I'm really in awe of the way that Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, really picks things up on the mental aspect of the game and that he has a lot to catch up on. You got to key in on that. And then when you look at the first four weeks of the season, if there's any doubt in your mind that if you throw him out there, and it's going to ruin his confidence. If that's even the slightest concern, then he ain't ready. And there is no, th- this whole idea of like, what do you have to gain? If you're really out there and you're saying, well, what we have to gain is that he gives us the best chance to win. I think it's debatable. I think probably when you're going up against elite defenses to start the game in the regular season, and you've got doubts as far as your quarterback being able to mentally process quick enough against elite defenses, I think he's probably going to benefit from a little bit more time on the bench. And I think probably Ryan Fitzpatrick is your better chance to win in those four games. But even if that's debatable, other than that, what do you have to gain? What An extra four weeks of evaluation? I mean, you're gonna, you've, you've been evaluating him since he's been on the roster. And they're going to be evaluating him throughout the entire season. At the end of the year, whether Josh Rosen plays in week one, week three, week six, week 10, I mean, I would hope he would get in there before then, you're going to have a big enough sample size, not just of games, but of him being out there practicing with the team, being in the classroom every single day. And the, the, this team is going to know what they have after a year of Josh Rosen. And as fans, we're going to know what we have by the end of the season, one way or another. And if you don't know, then you're taking a quarterback anyway. You either know that he's the guy, know that he's not the guy, or you don't know, and you're still drafting a quarterback. Yeah, I, I would agree with that assessment. It, it's just, it doesn't matter if he starts week one, he certainly made things interesting. And that is extremely encouraging because a few weeks ago, all of us probably sat there and we were like, well, let's start scouting these quarterbacks because this guy is not the guy. If he can't beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick and he was worlds behind Ryan Fitzpatrick to open up camp and to go into that first preseason game. And for us to be right now, debating whether or not he should be starting and most of the fans on the fence of on the side of the fence that says he should be starting and not just because we invested a second round pick in him and he's potentially the future but because he's outplayed Ryan Fitzpatrick it's very encouraging but if he's not ready he's not ready and that's fine it doesn't matter so when this he's is ready, great this is great this is You've come a long way from if Josh Rosen isn't the starter, Brian Flores should be fired. Well, You've no, not Brian way. Flores. I never said Brian Flores should be fired. Chris Greer. Chris, Chris Greer, Greer. Excuse me. And that and I and I saw that was right after the trade. I'm just I'm just breaking your balls a little bit. Yeah. Well, no, and I and I I own that, and I said you know I I definitely softened my stance on it because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. If, if he plays the whole season or half the season, all that matters is that we know at the end of the year. But what I'll say is that if Josh Rosen isn't very good and we don't get an elite quarterback next year, then Chris Greer should be fired. Yeah, I, I just don't see a world where the Dolphins are not in position to get one of the big four quarterbacks in next year's draft, even well, if they well, somehow well, end well, up. Here's the thing is, is it really a big four? Because you, you say that and you're saying, well, you know, there, there's four court. We're going to get one of them. But clearly most people, you know, believe Tua is the guy. And then after Tua, 
there's three guys that are very much, you know, still, still need to be evaluated. Jordan Love appears to be the next guy with the biggest upside. Justin, Justin Herbert, it depends who you talk to. Some believe he's the best quarterback of the bunch and some believe that he shouldn't even be a first round pick. And then there's Jake Fromm, who I think most people just feel like he's a rock solid option. But, you know, if this team ends up going six and 10 and, you know, one, let's say these quarterbacks, it doesn't always pan out the way you expect it to. Let's say Fromm takes a step back. Let's say Herbert turns out to not be the guy. And now it's two quarterbacks and two teams finish with worse records than the Dolphins. And they really need a quarterback like the Indianapolis Colts. Let's say the Colts tank. They're taking a quarterback. That's all they need. And they don't need, they don't need the draft picks because they got a good team around them. They just need to drop a quarterback in. You know, the Bucks, the, if the Bucks have a really bad year and Jameis Winston has a bad year and they decide they don't want to re-sign him, they need a quarterback. You know, there are teams out there that if they finish with a worse record than the Dolphins, it's not just a given just because we have all these picks that we're going to be able to move up to get the quarterback that we want. So it's, you still have to, you still have to be smart about the way that you trade picks for quarterbacks. And if we traded a second round pick and a fifth round pick for Josh Rosen and he's an abject failure, then one, you know, that's a bad trade. And two, do you then trust Chris Greer to pick the next quarterback if it's not, you know, a shoe in like Tua? And that's where I would say, you know, I would say no. And that's where I was at. And that's where I'm still at. But I've softened on the stance that it doesn't matter if he starts week one. Well, we'll, we'll cross the bridge with the quarterbacks as, as we come to it over the course of the season here as, as deemed necessary. For now, we know what we're dealing with, at least as we head into the season, whether it's Fitzpatrick or Rosen that is starting. We'll probably know that by the time we record, uh, our next episode of the podcast here. So. Other thoughts from this game. I think the other one of the other big takeaways was Jerome Baker was just all over the place. Um, he's really coming to his own. Charles Harris continues to show encouraging signs, and I'm feeling good about it. I, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid just yet because I want to see what he can do in the regular season, but it, it seems like Charles Harris is showing signs of life, and that is a good thing. It's also showing, it's also starting to look like Eric Rowe may be the guy to help us out in the secondary, so some encouraging signs certainly on the defensive side of the ball to come out of this third preseason game. Yeah, to me the defense is is the real deal. Uh, now granted, we haven't gone up against great offenses, our first team defense anyway. I mean, we went up against a pretty good offense in the first week, and the defense didn't look great, albeit we played a very vanilla defensive strategy. Um, in the last two weeks, the defense has looked the part. Uh, and now you get Xavier Howard and Eric Rowe in there. You get your full complement of defensive linemen in there. You still had a lot of guys miss time, you know, between... Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald and Raekwon McMillan and Kiko Alonso and Andrew Van Ginkle. These guys all expected to be big parts of this defense and the defense still looked really dominant. Um, albeit against Jacksonville, who's not expected to be a great offensive team. I really believe that this, the, with each week, this defense looks more and more legit. And it really, I, I really believe this defense has the potential to not just be an above average defense, but be a top 10 defense. And, and that can win you a lot of football games. Uh, if, if you, if you've got a top 10 defense and you just play mistake proof football and, and you take advantage of opportunities, you can win a lot of football games in this league. Um, so I, I think it bears watching to see how this defense evolves and continues to evolve as they learn more and more of this, of this system, this Brian Flores and Patrick Graham system, because if this ends up being a top 10 defense, even if the offense is horrible, and even if we have a bad year, you're building a foundation to build upon 
with a lot of really young players on this defense. And that is, and that is exciting because that's sustainable. And that's how you build a consistent winner. If you've got a defense like that, a top 10 defense that you can absolutely build around, um, then, then things are going to get really exciting here over the next few years. Uh, as long as we could figure out the quarterback position. Other positive takeaways from this game for you, Brain. I thought uh, LeMond's made a couple of big plays on special teams, uh, and I thought Patrick Laird really established himself here again, and it makes it leaves me wondering whether or not Mark Walton is going to make the Dolphins. Like, I don't know that Walton makes this team right now. If you've got Balage and Drake and Gaskin and Laird, and Chandler Cox, I don't know that there's a spot on this team for Mark Walton. What, what are your thoughts on that? I think Mark Walton's job is probably safer. I mean, you just look at where, I mean, look at the fact that Mark Walton spent all that time playing with the first team and that Laird and Gaskin haven't sniffed snaps with the first team. I think it would tell you that Mark Walton is pretty safely the third back in this in this backfield behind Drake and Bellage, and that the battle is really between Gaskin and Laird, if there is even a battle, because we don't know if they're gonna keep four running backs because you because Chandler Cox's job is safe. So if they're only keeping four backs and really what you got is Laird and Gaskin vying for a spot on the practice squad, if they keep five backs, then one of them is vying for a roster spot. Now there's a rumor we we haven't touched on this yet, but I have a feeling that we're going to at some point. And since let's we're talking, do it now. Let's we're we're right there. Let's transition right into it. Let's talk. So about the it. rumor is that the Houston Texans have a deal in place with either Miami or Buffalo for Jadavian Clowney. I I think the the rumor is that not that there's a deal in place, but that they are very close to a deal, and, and that the negotiations are still ongoing between Houston and the Dolphins, and there's also the Bills are involved as well. So the buzz seems to be that Clowney is going to go from Houston to one of those two teams. So Houston, in their last preseason game, Lamar Miller got carted off the field with a knee injury and looks to be done for the year. They traded for Duke Johnson. They also have Deontay Foreman, who has been who can't stay out of trouble and just really hasn't been effective. And the idea was that Lamar Miller and Duke Johnson were going to be a tandem. Now Duke Johnson becomes the feature back there, but he's not seen as an every down back. He's seen more as a third down back, a receiving back, and not a guy that can carry the load for 20 touches a game. And Houston's a team that has designs on making the playoffs and trying to make a run at the Super Bowl, especially with the Andrew Luck news, which now leaves that, which, you know, that basically takes Indianapolis, in my mind, out of the equation for the AFC South and probably makes it a two-team race between Houston and Jacksonville to win that division. Houston needs a running back. And many people have thought that, you know, they were, they were going after Melvin Gordon, but now, you know, just a day or two after Lamar wanna, Miller gets carted off, they've I got... I just want to confirm, Brain, that I, I actually just, just as we're recording here, uh, Ian Rappaport has just confirmed that Miller does have a torn ACL. Right. So, so there you go. The year. So they need a running back. The Dolphins have a lot of running backs. Kenyon Drake is in the last year of his contract. Could Kenyon Drake be on the move? Could Kalen Balaj be on the move? Could one of these other Dolphins running backs be on the move? If we're trading for Jadavian Clowney, I would hope Jadavian Clowney in the last year of his contract gonna be he, gonna be owed a huge contract in free agency. I would hope that you're not gonna give up a bunch of free agent or a bunch of draft capital because then you're giving up a bunch of draft capital and then you still gotta sign the guy. Plus, we just talked about how we're going to need that draft capital if we end up needing a quarterback. But we've got some players that maybe are not part of the long-term plan. And if you could get a Jadavian Clowney for players, then it becomes a lot more palatable. And I think Kenyon Drake or potentially Kalen Balage, but probably more likely Kenyon Drake, are guys that could potentially be a really good fit 
for the Houston Texans and would make a lot of sense in a potential trade. And then, you know, obviously if we trade one of those running backs and it opens up another roster spot for a Patrick Laird or a Miles Gaskin. Yeah, a lot of uh, rumors going around. At one point this week, there was a rumor going around that the Dolphins were trying to trade Laramie Tunsil, which made no sense to me. Because when you're in a rebuilding phase the way the Dolphins are, especially when your offensive line is as horrendous as it is right now, why would you trade away one of the guaranteed building blocks of of that plan? It doesn't make sense to me. And it apparently word is coming out now that there really is no truth behind the rumor. It was just sort of started by somebody who was looking to stir up some trouble on the Internet. Uh, it looks like the Dolphins were never actually shopping Tunsil. Um And good, because there shouldn't be. The other interesting name, obviously, along with Drake, uh, Rashad Jones is, of course, on on the docket as somebody that might be traded. But the other name that came up this week that is a possibility of being traded is Kenny Stills. And this one is really interesting. And we're going to walk this line uh, carefully because we don't want to get too much into the sort of non-football aspects of this. But basically... Uh, the NFL announced this deal with Jay-Z as a way to sort of combat institutionalized racism and that kind of stuff. Um, and Kenny Stills criticized that move um, because he criticized there being a deal with Jay-Z without Colin Kaepernick being involved because Colin Kaepernick is perceived by Stills and many others as being sort of blackballed from the NFL at this point. So Stills sort of spoke up about that, criticized that, and then the next day at practice, Flores played eight Jay-Z songs in a row as a way to troll Kenny Stills and supposedly, as he says it, to try to get Stills to focus on being more productive and and to keep his head on the game. Of course, earlier uh, this preseason, Stills spoke up to... Uh, loudly on Twitter to criticize Stephen Ross for hosting a fundraiser for the president, uh, president of the United States, and still spoke up to criticize Stephen Ross as opposed to having a conversation with him. So there was some criticism there, and Stills has sort of put himself in a position that it's kind of he's he's sort of certainly alienated quite a few people this year, some within the organization, some outside of the organization. Um, and now you've got the Dolphins supposedly putting him on the trading block. And it's just it's just a really interesting situation because how much of it is he is he's putting on the trading block because he's an asset that the Dolphins could move because he's maybe not part of the long-term plan. And how, man, how much of it is because this is an organization that has just decided that they don't want to deal with him anymore. It's, it's, it's sort of hard to say. I think it's both. Uh, yeah, and I think, it I think it's is. both because right, I think it probably is. because I think that from a production standpoint and from a value standpoint, just the on the field product, I think you can make the argument that Kenny Stills, you, you could probably get him at a decent value at a value probably a little bit more than the contract extension that they just gave to Jakeem Grant, and that would be pretty solid value. Um, you know, a contract pretty similar to the one that he's got probably, but. When you factor in all of this other stuff, it makes it less palatable. And then it says, well, you know, then it's not worth it. Whereas if it was just the on-field product and he bought into, you know, keeping things out of the media and not trashing his owner on Twitter and in social media and in the media in general, then, you know, maybe you'd want to keep him around. But if he's going to do those things and look, I got... I don't have any problem with it, with the things that he's doing or the things that he's saying, but if he's not going to vibe with the owner or the organization, then it's probably best just not to have him here. So it just kind of is what it is. You, you take your stand and then you deal with, deal with the consequences, uh, because that, you know, nothing comes without sacrifice, so to speak. So if it was just on the field, I think he could very much be part of the long-term plan for this team as as a really steady, solid number two receiver. But because of the off-the-field stuff, at this point, it's probably an untenable relationship. And, you know, if you can get something, since you're not going to re-sign him probably because of these things, you might as well see what you can get for him in a trade. 
Yeah, and another guy the Dolphins are supposedly shopping or thinking about cutting is Kiko Alonso. We've talked about that. I think you talked a little bit about that last week, that this is a guy that just practiced today as we're recording here on Sunday for the first time this preseason and then refused to speak to the media. In fact, uh, in the locker room, was pretending that he didn't speak English so that he didn't have to do uh, an interview In the locker room, which that doesn't (laughs) bode well. Of course, also, that's not something that he can necessarily get away with in South Florida because there is a lot of uh, bilingual media members in South Florida. So he's going to maybe need to be a little bit more creative there. But uh, I think maybe it's sum up Kiko Alonso. (laughs) I know it's talk about guys whose days may be numbered in South Florida. Kiko Alonso is one of those guys. So, Brain, what else? Is there anything else that you want to talk about this week? I guess we should look ahead to this final preseason game. So the Dolphins reserves on Thursday night will take on the reserves for the New Orleans Saints. And this is that final preseason game where it's really, you're pretty much solidifying the last I don't know, five or six roster spots on the team. As you look through, you look through, There's you're going to figure out which of these guys who are just on the bubble are going to make it. Maybe this is where we're going to see once and for all of Miles Gaskin, Mark, Mark Walton, and uh, Patrick Laird, which one of those guys is going to make the team. Maybe we'll see which of these backup offensive linemen are going to make the team. Uh, we'll figure out some things in the linebacker position. Maybe we'll see a lot of Kiko Alonso. As he uh, tries to fight for a roster spot here, I know we're going to just sort of play it out. We'll we'll see what happens in this game. It's really a game all about sort of securing those final few roster spots. The vast majority of the uh, starters and pr- uh, you know prime backups are probably not going to play. I, I'm interested to see what's going to happen at quarterback. Are we going to see a little bit of Josh Rosen? Are we going to see any Ryan Fitzpatrick, or is it just going to be pretty much the Jake Rudock show? For this final preseason game, I guess that's something that's mildly intriguing. I mean, you're not going to be able to draw big conclusions either way about Fitzpatrick or Rosen in this game if the Dolphins approach it the way teams traditionally do approach their final preseason game. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, we're gonna I mean, I, go ahead. I I think the 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 line that Flores. It seems like the the trend that Flores has gone with is that the young players are going to play. Because they need to continue to be evaluated and they continue to need the reps. And if Josh Rosen is, in fact, at this point, second on the depth chart, then I think Josh Rosen should be out there. And I think he should get more work because it's just another step in in evaluating Josh Rosen. And if he if they, in fact, have not made the decision because we haven't gotten that definitive Ryan Fitzpatrick is the starter in week one and it's just been, you know, we're taking it day by day and week by week, then, you know, maybe this is the last opportunity for Josh Rosen to come in, prepare, you know, I would guess that we're probably not going to see Ryan Fitzpatrick in this game and that Josh Rosen should probably work with the ones all week, prepare, knowing that he's going to be the starter and go out there and really take command and if he and have an opportunity to go out there and really win the job. Now maybe he doesn't really have that opportunity. Maybe Flores's mind has already been made up that Josh Rosen isn't going to start week 1. But if he has made up his mind, he hasn't said as much. And Brian Flores strikes me as the kind of guy that's very much straight up and says what he means and means what he says. So that tells me that his mind isn't 100% made up and that Josh Rosen, if he goes out there and gets playing time, has an opportunity, one more opportunity to try to win the job going into week one. I think also it is a huge game for the offensive line. It, Brian Flores announced today that he's going to go with the same offensive line that they've been going with s- since the start of the preseason, which is Davis at right tackle, uh, Tunsil at left tackle, and the, you know, Kilgore at center and then the two guards. Now, I don't know if Tunsil's going to play because you know what you got with Tunsil. And if he's going to play, he's probably only going to play a few reps. So probably Tunsil won't play. And you'll just be shuffling in these tackles to see who else is going to make. Because you're going to need a swing tackle. And you're going to need to know what your plan is 
God forbid Laramie Tunsil does get hurt. Who who can you play at left tackle? Who's a better fit at right tackle? Um, if if the preseason thus far and training camp thus far is any indication, it doesn't really matter who you put over there because it's going to be bad. You also got you know those the backup to whether it's Mills uh, or Jones Smith or Isaiah Prince. Who's going to be your your swing tackle? Chris Reed has been getting the backup center reps. Does he have an opportunity? To, to get in there and play a, a little bit of guard with that first team because, you know, Michael Dieter and Shaq Calhoun haven't necessarily, you know, set the world on fire with their play at guards. I think there's still the potential of some shuffling on that offensive line. You met, We mentioned the running backs. As far as receivers, I think the depth chart is pretty much set unless they trade Kenny Stills that you know that you've got Stills, Parker, Grant, Wilson, and Preston Williams as your five receivers. The question is, do you keep a sixth? And if you keep a sixth, it looks very much, it looks pretty much like it's Isaiah Ford, but you don't know if you're keeping a sixth or not. Um, as far as tight ends, I think that's become a very intriguing battle because Gasicki, you know, is on the roster. It looks like Nick O'Leary has solidified himself a spot on the roster. You figured that Dwayne Allen being the only tight end, the, the tight end that they went out and signed and gave guaranteed money to this year, you figured he'd be on the roster, but he really hasn't done anything. And I've seen something out of every tight end on this roster in the preseason, except for Dwayne Allen. So does Dwayne Allen get in there in this last preseason game and show something? Is he at risk of losing... Uh, of, of not making this team because Brian Flores was asked point blank about it. And Brian Flores said, I love the guy, but you got to be out there and you got to produce. And we're going to give the job to the people that produce. And we've got a really good tight end room. And that tells me that his job is not safe, that he's got to show something. He's been battling with injuries. He hasn't been able to get out there. And when he's gotten out there, it, it's been limited snaps and it's been very up and down. Uh, you know, Clive Walford has impressed a little bit. Durham Smythe has impressed a little bit. Even Chris Myrick has impressed a little bit. I I don't think Chris Myrick has much of a shot of making this roster, but it looks like O'Leary and, uh, and Gasicki have their spots wrapped up. And then you, you maybe have two or three guys battling and do you keep three tight ends or do you keep four tight ends? Cause you also got to keep in mind that you're keeping the, the fullback in, uh, in Chandler Cox. So that's, that's something to look for. And then on the defensive side, the defensive line depth is there and it, it feels like they're going to keep a lot of guys there. And uh, Nate Orchard, kind of that edge rusher to me, he looks like he should be on the, on the roster. To me, it looks like he, he solidified a spot. But, you know, if they go and they make this trade for for Jadavian Clowney, does that put his job in jeopardy? Linebackers with the play of of Aguavin and Baker and Terrell Hanks and Andrew Van Ginkle, you know you're going to have Raekwon McMillan on this team. Does Kiko Alonso make this team? There's, there's still some spots to be figured out there, but I think... And then the secondary, I think, is probably where you've got some roster spots that, that really need to be figured out. Uh, Eric Rowe has definitely solidified that number two corner spot. Obviously, uh, Xavier Howard and Minka Fitzpatrick are on this roster. I think Jamal Wiltz has probably locked up that fourth cornerback job. Do they keep Rashad Jones? If they do, they do they trade Rashad Jones? If they if Rashad Jones isn't on this team, what does that mean for the other safety spot? Uh, Montre Hardich is 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 probably a lock in that case. Uh, do, is, does Maurice Smith get in there, or is it Chris Lam Chris Lamons? Uh, does does he end up securing that spot? Obviously, you got Walt Aikens, who's the dynamo on special teams. There are some things to figure out in that secondary. Nick Needham. Does he have a spot on this roster? Can he at least make the practice squad? There there are guys to watch. It'll be interesting in that regard. As we move forward here, this is going to be our schedule as we go forward. We'll, we'll be back shortly after the final preseason game to sort of reflect on that and uh, talk a little bit as the Dolphins announce what their final roster is going to be, what that 53-man roster is. Uh, we'll, we'll be here pretty much right after that is announced. 
We'll reflect on that and then we'll go in our next episode. We'll go week by week through the schedule and make our predictions for the regular season. And then later in the week, we will start with our week one preview of the Dolphins-Ravens game week one as the season begins. So we're going to move to the twice a week schedule here. So you'll uh, look for two episodes each week of the same old Dolphin show. One right after or just, uh, you know, within the next 24 hours after a game concludes and another episode uh, you probably around Thursday night, Friday morning, sometime in that window, we'll be getting you uh, a preview show for the next game. And that's going to be the schedule for the regular season. So we're getting back into the swing of things because real football, football Christmas is just around the corner. So uh, we invite you to stay with us here on the same old Dolphin show to make sure that you get your fix for all things Miami Dolphins. Brain, you want to tell the people where they can find you? Can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. And I am, of course, at Amplified to Rock. As we mentioned, the show is at Same Old Dolphins. You can also like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Same Old Dolphins. Every episode of the show is available at DolphinsTalk.com, your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. A lot of podcasts, news, and columns over there, so make sure you check out DolphinsTalk.com every day. Uh, you can also get the show on Apple Podcasts, where we invite you to leave us a five-star rating and a review. It really helps us out, so we hope that you will take a few moments out of your day to do that. Of course, we're on every other podcast provider as well, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, wherever you get your podcast you can find us if there is somewhere where you get your podcast where you cannot find this show currently we invite you as always to uh, tweet at us and send us a message or something and we will figure out what we can do to make sure that we are on that podcast platform soundcloud included in that so uh, that's going to wrap us up for this week we'll be back after the final preseason game to talk about the dolphins 53 man roster and make our week by week predictions for the 2019 season but until then take care of yourselves and each other we will talk to you again next time bye bye everybody no dolphins miami's got dolphins the greatest of all teams we take the ball from goal